Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. podcast this is a best of series looking back at 2020 parts one of three i hope you enjoy and i know you will no so matt and i are more like the people you'd picture skateboarding in front of a cumberland farms you know convenience store except now we have cars jobs houses families uh you know although you might catch matt outside of a a convenience store parking lot one day smelling like reefer or something you'll probably see him out there he's out, he's still out there getting his munchies but uh so i mean looking back on it i, I was a lifelong democrat uh, i bled blue right i i voted in every election pretty much party ticket right straight down the list democrat 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 unless i knew somebody blindly right? blindly absolutely blindly and, and i own that right um i was paying attention to a lot of the mainstream media which we've obviously seen has been outed as you know the quote-unquote fake news um, so, you know, I, I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid there for a little while. It tastes um, good. Yeah, it did. You know, I was young and ignorant, um, really didn't have much perspective, didn't have kids, didn't have a great job, didn't really pay a lot of taxes on the money I was making. So, you know, as you kind of grow mature, obviously that stuff changes. And, uh, there's you know, nothing wrong with being young and greedy. We that, were all there. That's it. You know, it, but you know, 2016 for me, was a wake up call, right? Um, being totally transparent, I I did support Bernie Sanders um, until the DNC. Bernie bro, I was a Bernie bro, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really believed in the message, you know, the progressive message that he was that he was putting, you know, across the table. Um, and what I really liked was that the media wasn't behind him, you know. Um, but lo and behold, that's what came to bite him. Abortion issue is a complicated one with with passions on and strong positions and feelings on both sides. I've approached this from the perspective of, let's try to find a common ground in the sense of trying to prevent unwanted, unintended pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And so I have supported things like sex education and use of contraception. so if, if your fight against, uh, you know, unwanted pregnancies or whatever is sex education and condoms <laughs> and contraception, birth control, I mean, we all know those things exist. We all can get access to them. Those are those are not some like, you know, some revelation. Well, here. I mean, enough for nothing. You know, Jim Langevin has been in office for 20 years, um, just about 20 years now. You and I had sex education before Jim Langevin was in office. Yeah, so I think all of you out there actually need to go back to school, all right? You need to learn about sex, and you need to stop making babies. I mean, that's the Langevin model. That's it. And if you want to get rid of the baby, and you can... You still can. Get rid of it. <laughs> Whatever. For a bill that allowed abortions up to 40 weeks. When you get to 40 weeks, that's Boom. beyond the pale, as far as I'm concerned. That's akin to, you know, killing someone. I'm did, sorry. Did you? Know, you? Because the, the language in there... Uh, didn't provide for serious health consequences for the mother. Had that language been in there, I would have voted differently. But 
So not because <laughs> it's crazy what would persuade his vote, right? So his vote was persuaded by something about the health of the mother, yada, 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 right? But wouldn't your vote be swayed by the 40-week thing? I mean, if anything, isn't that more hardcore? It's, wouldn't that it's be what sways disgusting. your I mean, vote? My, my daughter was born at 39 and a half weeks. Wow. So there you go. I mean... That's the type of thing that's just like, man, that argument, what's up with that argument, as Biden would say? Come, come on, come, come on, on, man. <laughs> Trying to get you listeners pumped up with this song. Hope you guys are singing along. Little ACDC for you. Gloves are coming off. That's it. We the Rhode are, Island Reds are coming at you. We are calling everybody out. That's it. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening. And thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the Rhode Island Red Podcast. We released the episode last night and, you know, the response has been great. And, and we're really, really excited. You know, we, we started this whole thing. Colin and I started talking about this a number of months ago. Um, you know, cause quite honestly, actually we, mostly you, Matt. Yeah. I, I talk a lot, um, but <laughs> I, it was forced upon me. Yeah. I kind of pushed him into it. Uh, but, <laughs> but Hey, we're doing it right. Um, you know, in our friend group, you know, we're roasted a lot, right? I mean, friends, family. Yeah. Thanksgiving's I mean, not looking bright for us this year. People think it's easy to be on this side, right? No, it ain't easy. You know, no. the first thing people say is, Oh, you're a racist. Oh, Really? Is that how you really feel, right? Um, Colin and I sat down Saturday morning. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. Um, and we started browsing topics. We landed on the Lancia and, uh, and Langevin debate there. Um, and then yesterday, we put out our first episode. Um, yeah, we got a lot of good feedback. I mean, Matt somehow convinced uh, Bob Lancia to post our <laughs> podcast to his supporters. So Really, really appreciate that, Bob, if you're listening. He's actually throwing it out there to people, and that's going to reach an audience. We're going to get this thing out to an audience. You know, maybe not a... Not thousands of people just yet, but we'll get there eventually. We yeah, promise. but please, please, please. You know, if if what we're saying resonates within you, if you're buying what we're selling, then please share, share, share. Help us spread the word about what we're doing here. He'd love to run against them, wouldn't he? Mr. President, you're running against Joe Biden. He's staring Joe Biden right has in a the deep, camera. Deep, steep, and successful record over a long, long time. Kamala Harris has represented California in the U.S. Senate for almost four years. You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I Somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage. But yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan yeah, has rated oh you God. as the most liberal. You have the situation in Korea where they have more lethal missiles and they have more capacity than they had before. North Korea. North Korea. You have <laughs> Coaching a situation in the North Gulf Korea, where Joe. you have Iran closer to a nu- having enough fissile material to get a nuclear weapon than they had before. You have our NATO allies backing away from us because they say we can't count on us. So he's moving away from what has allowed us to bring the world together. Which country... 
Uh, didn't he just like land? Let's talk about this Middle East peace deal. Yeah. If we moved, we poking the finger in the in the eyes of our friends. Biden is literally telling you to your face that the world is coming apart when Trump is brokering Middle East peace deals extremely successfully. He has backed out of the Iran deal, where no, we don't give you a hundred eighty billion dollars in cash on a plane, and all this crazy, crazy stuff that they did in their administration. And Trump has said he denounces racism and white supremacy after the Black Lives Matter protests that began this summer. Joe Biden has surrendered his party to the flag burners, rioters. The president tried to frame the election as a choice between law and order and Biden and Harris. There's a sense that there's a divide out there that in order to address systemic racism, that it's anti-police, that you would not be a law and order president. Well, let me put it this way. Number one, I've never, ever supported defunding police. Matter of fact, I think if you give more funding for police for different reasons. Uh, I don't know about that, Joe. Two, any use of violence, burning down stores, smashing windows, that is a crime. People should be arrested. That's no justification for it. That's not like, what you've said. Eight months later, finally says it last week in the election. And order and dignity. They're one and the same. What does that mean, Joe? The president said on the stump, I've saved no the suburbs. You should, you should oh, thank me. Man. He would know a suburb unless he took a wrong turn. We're <laughs> in the suburbs now. It's what? not 1950. There are black and white families living next door to one another, driving each other's kids to soccer practice. Wow, thanks for the this revelation, Joe. Different world than he lives in. Different so world than you grew up in, that's for sure. So, so let's just recap what we just saw, okay? Um, you know, I'll hand it to Nora O'Donnell. She pushed a little bit. The fact-checking was... No, man, I disagree. I don't think she pushed hard at all. No, I would say she pushed harder than any other reporter I think she did, like I said earlier, I think she did what she had to do. Exactly. Because the standard and how the interviews were so close that they literally couldn't... They couldn't ask him what flavor ice cream this time. Right. They really couldn't do that. If they did that, they would have been called out so hard. And it would have made Biden look bad. I mean, to me, it looked like Biden actually had the questions ahead of time, to be honest. And I think he had... Had his little cookie cutter responses and things like that ready to go. You don't ask Biden tough questions. So. Okay. Are you, you ready? ready? Everybody ready? It's a kind of a little crazy because she's kind of being a nut. You'll see in this interview, she's kind of being a little nutty. So we have the pandemic on your watch. We've had racial strife. We've had looting. Why do you want this job? Why? Do- Just look at the contrast on the two opening questions. I mean, insane. So we've had this, that, the other. I mean, it's all your fault basically. Why do you want the job? President again. Because we've done a great job and it's not finished yet. And when I finish, this country will be in a position like it hasn't been maybe ever. Uh, the economy is already roaring back and uh, other people aren't going to bring it back. Certainly the person that we're dealing with is not going to bring it back. They're going to raise taxes. Let me ask you what you think your uh, the biggest domestic priority is for you right now. Uh, well, or next ultimately, year. Let, let me and I, I'll tell you, it was happening. We created the greatest economy in the history of our country, and the other side. You was know that. In. You know that's not true. It is totally true. No. But President Trump did have an impressive string of economic accomplishments. 
Do you see how she just cut him off there and said, yeah, they, no, the economic, that was all, that was all like a magic show. That didn't actually and happen. They, and no. then they lower the volume when he's saying yes. all of the things, no, you, all of the accomplishments. Yeah, they lower the volume over him as he's talking about it. And it's so funny because she's literally completely denying and he's telling her, no, that is true. And it is true. These are actual facts, people. So to have someone that claims to be a journalist just ignore complete facts that our economy was ridiculous. We were setting num- setting record numbers like those were pe- they could not even debunk those numbers ever. And Trump always says that on the campaign trail. He says they can't even debunk my numbers because they know they're actually legit numbers. They know they're true. We are taking care of our people. Okay, let me let me ask you something about suburban women. Yeah. Suburban women, will you please like me? This is great. Please. Please. I saved you dead. Calls her out hard on this one. You said the other day to suburban women, will you please like me, please, please? Oh, I didn't say that. You know, that's so misleading the way I say jokingly, (laughs) suburban women, you should love me. If you watch Trump's rally the other day that they're talking about, that little clip they played, um... It was a complete joke. He was like laughing the whole time he said it, you, you and he was like, "You should suburban women. Will you please yeah, like, like me? You should love me. I'm cleaning up your neighborhoods. You should love me." He's completely sarcastic, and she literally takes it completely out of context. Once again, as if no one's gonna check, and says he was begging. They showed women. the clip. They showed yeah. the clip right before the moment. He was That's begging like, women to vote for him. No, not really the case. Once again, just another another example of the ridiculous bias. It's like two reporters a half hour after each other, and that's how biased you can be. It's it's craziness. Because I'm giving you security, and I got rid of the worst regulation. See, the way you said that yeah. is why people think of you and everyone else as fake news. I said kiddingly, suburban women, you should love me. I got rid of a regulation that would bring low-income housing into suburbia that is destroying, that would destroy suburbia. And I said that in a joking way. The way you have it, it's like, oh, like I'm begging. I'm kidding. Play it. And I'm kidding. That is such a misleading question, Leslie. But you're behind with suburban women. In the polls. I doubt it. You should see her I face. You guys all, uh, everyone out there has One to watch this. You have to watch this on CBS. They don't, you used to have bigger rallies. Uh, no, these are much bigger than I ever okay, had. I don't want to pick her over that. You know, Tell me. You're, you're so <laughs> she's trying to like, like. These are the biggest rallies we've ever had. Any chance she gets, she's you trying just to just jab. just come in here with that attitude. These are the biggest rallies we've ever had. But I can't believe. A little bit bigger than Joe's rallies, right? In the Rose Garden here after the announcement. With all the people getting sick. Yeah. That you are not being more strongly encouraged. So wait, wait I'm just gonna I'm gonna pause it myself there for one second. How many of those people died at the Trump rally? How many people died from the Rose Garden event where he announced Amy Coney Barrett no, as no his one. zero? Not even Chris Christie. Not even Chris Christie. Enough said. Encouraging about wearing masks <laughs> at your rallies. I tell people to. Uh, well, you don't. Leslie, we hand out. Thousands of masks. But you look out rally. and they're not wearing them. You don't get up there and say, look, you know, okay. come on. Go I don't ahead. want what's you your, to get your next sick. question, Leslie? We're outside. <laughs> the rallies are bigger than they've ever been. There's more enthusiasm than we've ever had. There has never been anything like what you're witnessing now. And you'll see that soon. Can you um, characterize uh, your supporters? Yeah, I think I can. People that love our country more than anything else. And they like to see our country thrive. 
But do you think that when you hold rallies and encourage people to say, lock her up the way you... I don't encourage them. They say it. And you <laughs> enjoy it. What a great answer when she asked him, can you describe the, your supporters? People that and, love America. And he, he, when you look at him, it's just so honest. He's just like, people that love our country, like the other side right now, they don't love our country. They hate everything about our country. They want to change everything. I know. It's, there's, they can't name a thing they like. I mean, they won't even fly the flag like the flag is becoming offensive the flag of our country people that's, we, we that's had a, we had a little conversation about this the other day too you can tell who's voting for trump by who's flying an american flag in front of their home yeah if you're if literally if you now have an american flag you're a trump supporting racist the, the, obviously <laughs> it's it makes no sense but they're going with it for some reason and people are buying it they're buying it in bulk people what about the governor of Michigan? Governor Gretchen Whitmer was the target of a kidnapping plot by an armed militia group. It was our Justice Department that is the one that's helping her. Yes. My Justice Department, if you call it that. The FBI. It was our Justice Department that's helping her. And, you know, people aren't so, they're not liking her so much because she's got everybody locked down. You got to get your governor to open up your state, okay? Those who don't know what she's done, she's been absolutely outrageous with her lockdowns. It's insane. And then her, and then they, there's all this evidence. Her husband's out on boat. You know, she, she literally rules yeah, the only one. On the he always jokes that is, on. yeah, the only one out there. Had the Great Lakes to himself. Is her husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's out there, the Great Lakes to himself. He's boating <laughs> around. You know, he's got his yacht shorts on and he's sailing <laughs> around. Can you just picture it? And she's doing whatever she wants to do. And the whole state is just depressed and locked down. Any responsibility for the country being divided against itself? I'd like not to, but, you know, perhaps everybody has to take a little responsibility for it. But when people put out phony witch hunts, you know, when they spy on your campaign, you have to fight back. And if you don't fight back, you're not sitting here very long. You go back home. You go back home to mommy. Back home to mommy. <laughs> the president's <laughs> accusations against the yeah, Biden of family. Yeah, fight back. The abrupt end of our conversation. As we moved from subject to subject, our conversation grew more tense. President Trump brought up what he calls the unfairness of the fake media, most prominently a lack of coverage of his unproven and unverified charges that former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter have received millions of dollars in corrupt payments from a Russian oligarch and a Chinese billionaire. I wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. It would be so good. You know what? You the, like this, the, I thought. I thought you liked it. I don't mind spot, it. I don't mind spot. it. But when I watch him walk out of his store, and he's walking this with is awesome. ice cream, and the question the media asks him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? <laughs> Even she has to laugh. Did anyone see that? <laughs> if you haven't seen it, look up the clip. Biden's at an ice cream store, and they're asking him what flavor ice cream he's got. In the middle of a scandal. Go watch it. The Hunter Biden laptop scandal. 10% for the big guy. And he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking... He's of course not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. It's the biggest... Second biggest scandal. So, the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my well, campaign, there's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. 
And we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on you. things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify that. It's been totally that. verified. No. So she's like in denial here. It's such an odd thing to watch. She's really in denial that it is verified. Like this stuff happened. All the evidence is coming out. And I don't think there's any denying it at this point. Zero, zero. The Steele dossier, they, they, that was created by, that, that was, that was ordered by Hillary Clinton. Yeah, special it's order. Absolutely insane to me. That they're sitting here and trying to deny this. Do the research. Do it yourself. I'm, I don't even want to talk anymore. Go do your own research. Go take a look and, and see for yourself. These are your journalists, and these, this is what we're trying to point out here, and we're gonna highlight this just constantly. And I, I just, I just don't understand how she can deny it. It's actually funny if you watch the video. You know she, why? You because because they're there because they know that their audience trusts her more than they trust Trump. So that she can just sit there and repeat no, 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 no. Exactly. And people and exactly. it's, it's Stockholm but, syndrome. But it's just, the actual funny thing is when Trump posted this video early. That's why they had to play that part. They never would have played that absolutely part. Absolutely, they wouldn't have played that. What they wouldn't a, have played the ice cream part. That never would have made it. Oh, had it was, Trump not released when Trump did, did that. That was like a checkmate on sixty minutes. It was. I perfect. couldn't. I can't believe he did that. Kind of a boneheaded move. You know what? I'm gonna call oh, him out there. It. I'm gonna call him out there. A little bit of a boneheaded move. Just no it way. Kind of open up legally. I mean, I don't know what kind of agreements he signed on this, on this thing. Okay, we can we can agree to disagree. Great move. <laughs> I, I I didn't say I didn't like it. You got an intro for us? There you go. Hello, 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 and thank All you for right, joining into the third episode of the Rhode Island Reds podcast. My name's Matt Tremblay. This is our first live podcast, so it's probably going to be horrible, even though we run through them anyway, just like this. No different. <laughs> Should definitely be interesting. Uh, yeah, my name's Matt Tremblay. I'm here with my good buddy and co-host, Colin Cronin. And uh, yeah, this is, this is episode number three, and so, uh, this is going to be a good one. When you speak up, they they do get quieter. So I'm I'm out here to, to promise to you people that aren't speaking up, speak up because they get quieter. Do it. The do only it. reason Share they're so loud. Too. The only reason they're so loud is because you are so quiet. And we're gonna we're gonna make that case today. We're gonna go into a little bit of how it's like the death of comedy, all the cancel culture. Even comedians are coming out and saying they, they can't they, be funny anymore. They can't even be funny anymore. I mean, movies—you've seen movies aren't even funny anymore. Everyone has to be politically correct. So it's this cancel culture has a real effect on society, and people don't realize it. Come on, man. Come on, man. So <laughs> we're gonna get into um, Biden and his praise for someone. I mean, just the fact that some of these people have never been canceled. I mean, you got people like Ted Kennedy, right? Mass Massachusetts senator. Straight killed a woman, drove into the ocean with his car, fled the scene, and she drowned in that car. Killed a woman. And he was just like, after that, like, went right back to the Senate, like, right. Well, got his I seat. mean, to be fair, I he mean, did his time, right? I mean, he, 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 I think he did get charged with a crime for that. But I mean, no, he didn't. Time, I don't think he did jail time. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. He, he could have. No, I don't think he, I, I, that was the whole thing is he, like, he, like, got off like scot Which, free uh, yeah one of the kennedys did some jail time for something but so I, yeah so we're actually going to go to this clip here do you want to pull over to the um to the biden clip yeah we're on it we're going to run into this clip here and it, you know some people know about this story and it, it's just you can't let it go we know it was a long time ago, i think 2008 but you've got the eulogy of um 
the death of a senator, uh, West Virginia Senator Robert Byrd, all right? Now, to give you a little history on Robert Byrd, he was a KKK Klan member, no, okay? No, he, he founded his own chapter. He recruited 150 yeah. of his close friends and, and community members. Yeah, so he's a he was a, no, so he was a recruiter. He, he, he was a, yes, he was a recruiter for chapter. the KKK. His own chapter. No, no, no but you, he was a member of the KKK. Right. Then he recruited for the KKK and started a chapter. 100%. That that's his history. And I mean, this isn't like um like oh, I just joined by accident. I thought they were like the you know the King's Country Club. Like this was the KKK. This is the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, this is a well known history. And you've got Obama and Biden actually praising him, bringing up a eulogy for him. At this funeral, and, and, and we're going to play him as a mentor. And a, yeah, we'll, we'll, so we're, we're going to play. You can, you can hear straight from. We're going to play. We're going to pause it. Here we go, Reverend Clergy, Mona and Marjorie, the entire Bird family. If you didn't already know it, it's pretty clear the incredible esteem your father was held in. I know you've known that your whole life. To my fellow members of the Senate. I was telling the president when I got elected the last time, and I had the great honor of running with the president, and I was elected vice president and United States senator in the same day for my seventh term. Congrats. Isn't and, that something? Uh, and, talking to, uh, and I got sworn in for that seventh term because we thought we might need a vote there uh, oh, interesting, um, in huh? those first uh, couple weeks. Wow. And uh, every time I sat with a leader, I never called. Senator Byrd, Senator. I always called him leader. When I sat with a leader, called him I could leader. See that look in his face, and he said, "Joe, you sure you're making the right decision, giving up the Senate for Vice President?" <laughs> oh, isn't that just so funny? You've got a guy here. This is the VP of the United States. He is at a KKK members. Yeah, this is 2010. Funeral. So this is two years into his vice presidency. Right. And he said he he admits he this is his man's leader. This is his mentor. Some people don't even know this happened because they do try to cancel this. They try to push this want, right they out. They don't want this game. I'm now, surprised right. we found the video. So, yeah, they cancel. They cancel two things, right? They cancel anything that they find distasteful or, or offensive, and then they cancel anything that they can that can be used against them. Once again, they can do it's anything insane. as long as they wear a BLM shirt and they they're they're fine. <laughs> they are guarded. That That's BLM it. shirt is like solid steel. That's it. Can't touch them. Yes, as the senators know, he revered the Senate. As Danny and Oway. Uh, uh, said going into the chamber when we were going in to honor your father. Yesterday we walked in together. He said, you know, Joe, had you stayed, you'd be number two. Uh, I'm still number two, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> number two of what? Like, number two of, like, the KKK, like, the Grand uh, Wizard? The Robert C. Byrd elevated the Senate. Other great men uh, and their families would have chosen for them to lay in state in the rotunda. But Bob Byrd and his family chose to lay in state in the Senate chamber. And to me, this is completely appropriate, having served with them for 36-plus years. For the Senate chamber was Robert C. Byrd's cathedral. The Senate chamber was his cathedral, and West Virginia was his heaven. Interesting. So he goes on and on just to praise this man. I think it goes on for like 21 minutes. He spends a lot of time talking about himself, too. Let's be real. He, he's just, you yeah, know, typical shamelessly, shamelessly self-promoting himself while giving a eulogy to a, a dead clan member. I think at one point he stops and like does 20 push-ups just because he can do them. I think he does. Oh, yeah, because he, he likes to talk about how physically fit he is. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. He would just want to say, you know how many push-ups I can do, man? 
Yeah, so yeah, man. Just to show you there, just how ridiculous. I mean, Biden by today's standards should be completely canceled. Should be done. Toast after that. I mean, after a lot of things he's done, a lot of these people have done, and none of them are canceled. And yet, the little people like us, we get canceled for saying anything. And people are just oh my god, I'm out so orders. scared to be honest with you of saying the wrong thing publicly. Really? Uh, on the podcast? Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, oh, not me. I mean, I'm not really that scared because I'm a little bit more intelligent than to. to you know, gaff and say, you know, stupid stuff like Biden does all the time. So just before we play it, this is this is Jerry Seinfeld's quick take on it. Really smart point. It's this whole video is awesome. I can't wait to get into this. I asked people had uh, tweeted at me when I said I'm interviewing with Jerry Seinfeld. I said, oh, ask him about their gender diversity on this. Show. Yeah, I mean, it's people think it's it's the census or something. I mean, this has got to <laughs> represent the the actual pie chart of, of of America. Who cares? It's just funny, you know. Funny is is the is the world that I live in. You're funny. I'm interested. You're not funny. I'm not interested. Okay. And, and I have no interest in gender or race or anything like that. But everyone else is kind of with their little calculating. Is this the exact right mix? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's uh, to me, it's anti comedy. It's okay. anti comedy. It's it's more about, you know, PC nonsense. Okay. Then are you making us laugh or not? Right, right. I mean, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. It, it, I mean, the things that were historically found funny. Nowadays, somebody is getting offended by it. It does not matter. You'd be chased out of, you know, 50% of bars, right? Yeah, I mean, look at, like, the older comedians like Richard Pryor. Like, that guy, you know, black guy, he would, like, say the craziest stuff. And, like, no one's going to... Chris Rock? Yeah, no one's going to bat an eye. I mean, you you could never do that nowadays. And Jerry Seinfeld is basically saying... I don't care who you are. We've never cared who you are, what you look like. If you're funny, you're funny. <laughs> the next guy here, I don't even know who this is. It's that old show, uh, Faulty Towers or whatever. We don't even know this guy's name, but he actually makes some really good points. He is right um, on the money. Hard to understand. Some of his new stuff and older stuff. If people can't control their own emotions, then they have to start trying to control other people's behavior. And when you're around super sensitive people, you cannot relax and be spontaneous because you have no idea what's going to upset them next. And that's why I've been warned recently, don't go to most university campuses because the political correctness has been taken from being a good idea, which is let's not be mean, particularly to people who are not able to look after themselves very well. That's a good idea, to the point where any kind of criticism of any individual or group can be labeled um, cruel. And the whole point about humor, the whole point about comedy, and believe you me, I've thought about this, is that all comedy is critical. Even if you make a very inclusive joke, like um, how do you make God laugh, answer, tell him your plans, now, that's about the human condition. It's <laughs> not excluding anyone. It's saying we all have all these plans which probably won't come, and isn't it funny how we still believe they're going to happen? So that's a very inclusive joke. It's still critical. All humor is critical. And if you start saying, oh, we mustn't, we mustn't criticize or offend them, then humor's gone. With humor goes a sense of proportion. And then as far as I'm concerned, you're living in 1984. 
My God, is that on the money or what? Yeah, and that's my Nothing's new... Nothing's funny. Who's going to the movies and watching... Have you seen a, a comedy come out lately that's funny? And that's my I'm new... I'm watching comedies from 2000 still. My new favorite joke. <laughs> How would you make God laugh? Tell him, him your, your plan. plan. <laughs> that was that's beautiful. I mean, this guy's genuinely funny. And now there's another clip of him, right? In an old show, he's almost telling the future. The same guy on Faulty Towers or whatever UK TV. Everyone, you might hear his voice and say it sounds familiar. You definitely know him if you've seen him. But um, it's an old show, and he he actually he's kind of like telling it's what is this? Like maybe 50 years ago, 40 hey, years this ago. Was, what uh, was this year? was the 60s, 70s. I don't know. No, no, you said you. 40 or something. Earlier, it was like 19... 1970s. No, 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 1970s. Says oh, the castle well, in 1976. So we're talking okay. about the 70s. So we're so, still talking about you know almost 50 years ago now. Yeah, and listen to what he what he says. He's this got is, a little skit going. It's and it's funny. It's it's pretty good. It's dead on to what's happening today. John Cleese, there he is. That's his name. Seriously though. We've heard a lot about extremism recently, a nastier, harsher atmosphere everywhere, more abuse and bother boy behavior, less friendliness and tolerance and respect for opponents. All right, but what we never hear about extremism is its advantages. Well, the biggest advantage of extremism is that it makes you feel good because it provides you with enemies. Let me explain. The great thing about having enemies is that you can pretend that all the badness in the whole world is in your enemies and all the goodness in the whole world is in you. <laughs> Attractive, isn't it? So, if you have a lot of anger and resentment in you anyway, and you therefore enjoy abusing people, then you can pretend that you're only doing it because these enemies of yours are such very bad persons. And that if it wasn't for them, you'd actually be good-natured and courteous and rational all the time. <laughs> so, if you want to feel good, become an extremist. Okay. I mean, how wow. how funny is that? That is like the left defined today. It's insane, isn't it? I mean, it's it, fi- this is fifty years ago almost. If you want to feel it. good about yourself because of your faulty, you know, you, you, morals you basically or whatever there is, say all, uh, your enemies are bad and all the good things are me. And the only reason why I'm bad is because my enemies are bad too. And if my enemies were not bad, then I would be good. Yeah, they're what? they're worse than me. If you paint someone else to be worse than you, then you're good. No, that's not how the world works, okay? Yeah, if no. you go to a BLM rally, you are not all of a sudden a good person who has helped African Americans in their <laughs> communities. You never have. You know you haven't. I mean, a lot of these people, right? So just stop with that. Stop with it. So let's let's keep going. But it's I all, mean, this, it's all this is show. it's all in here. This guy's great. Now you have a choice. If you join the hard left, they'll give you their list of authorized enemies. Almost all kinds of authority, especially the police, the city, Americans, judges, multinational corporations, public schools, furriers, newspaper owners, fox hunters, generals, class traitors, and, of course, moderates. Or, if you'd rather be an extremist on the hard right, no problem, fine, you still get a lovely list of enemies, only they're different ones. Noisy minority groups, unions, Russia, weirdos, Demonstrators, welfare sponges, meddlesome clergy, peaceniks, the BBC, strikers, <laughs> social workers, communists, and of course, moderates. <laughs> so, oh my God! So how dead on is that? I mean, really, you, we've all got our like groups of enemies, and even on the conservative one, I mean, you have to laugh. It's it's pretty we, funny. It's pretty de- funny. It's we, exactly how it's painted. We're not saying this is true. 
what I'm saying, what we're saying is that this is exactly how it's painted. Like our yeah. enemies are minority groups, and our enemies are these demonstrators, and our enemies are moderates. Like no, like that's that's not what it is, right? I mean, to some people, it is. That's why it's funny. And upstart actors. Now, once you're armed with one of these super lists of enemies. You can be as nasty as you like and yet feel your behaviors morally justified. So you can strut around uh, abusing people and telling them you could eat them for breakfast and still think of yourself as a champion of the truth, a, a fighter for the greater good, and not the rather sad paranoid schizoid that you really are. <laughs> paranoid schizoid you really are i mean oh, some of these people good. really are they're paranoid i mean everyone like the paranoia weeps out of them everyone's racist everyone's out to get me uh everything's rigged i the mean stop against me no it's like you're working against yourself yeah 100%. you're working against yourself real bad especially when you start attacking other people you, as people as need you other start people letting go of that too as soon as you start letting go of the it's everybody else's fault wah you start to wake up a little bit. Guess what? Things get better. Uh, Ricky Gervais. This is going to be awesome, I think. We haven't watched this one. We ready? Oh, yeah. We're going. This is what you get for live. So this is all quotes from Gervais. Um, we can we can stop this one. But Gervais had a great... Did you see his skit on like the MTV Awards show? No. You should pull that one up. Can you find that? Yeah, yeah. Ricky Gervais... Like I think it was like the MTV Awards show. I thought that's what they were gonna play for sure. I told you we should have watched the whole video before we went live. Oh, Golden I Globes! I told you, Matt. Golden Globes. What oh, are we this doing? This is gonna be awesome, dude. I mean, we're couple hacks. I know we're figuring it out. We're getting good at this. Though. All right, three minutes, ten seconds. Where is this? Washington Post. Uh oh. You got any volume on that? On that baby. I'm trying. I'm oh, trying. do I register to vote? Uh, here's an advertisement. Sorry. Oh, Matt, you're killing us. Turn the volume down at least, Matt. What are you doing? Facebook ad. It's that stupid I voted ad. How much money are these guys spending on this? Oh, man. Why are they so involved in politics? you to vote. Has anyone voted because of Facebook this year? Nope. I'm voting on Tuesday in person, and I'm putting my ballot in the machine, as I've done in every election since I was 18 years old. I will not put a ballot in the mail. November 3rd, man. November 3rd. That's it. Week from today. Hello and welcome to the 77th Annual Golden Globe Awards, live from the Beverly Hilton Hotel here in Los Angeles. I'm Ricky Gervais. Thank you. You'll be pleased to know this is the last time I'm hosting these awards, so I don't care anymore. Um, I'm joking. I never did. Let's go out with a bang. Let's have a laugh at your expense, shall we? Remember, they're just jokes. We're all going to die soon, and there's no sequel. I came here in a limo tonight, and the license plate was made by Felicity Huffman. So, no. Shush. It's her, it's her daughter I feel sorry for, okay? That must be the most embarrassing thing this that's ever happened to her. And her dad was in Wild Hogs. No one cares about movies anymore. Yeah, this no is his highlights. No one really watches network TV. Everyone's watching Netflix. This show should just be me coming out going, well done, Netflix, you win everything. Good night. <laughs> you could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching this show. Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way, so in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. <laughs> I know he's your friend. <laughs> it was a big year for paedophile movies. Um, surviving R. Kelly, leaving Neverland, Two popes. 
Shut up. Oh my Shut God. up. I don't care. I don't care. Oh, my God. The Irishman was amazing. Long, but amazing. Um, it wasn't the only epic movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, nearly three hours long, Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere, and by the end, his date was too old for him. <laughs> Many talented people of colour were snubbed in major categories. Um, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. The Hollywood foreign press are all very, very racist. So, we were going to do an in memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of people that had died, it wasn't diverse enough. It just. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> roared into the, so the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent. If you do win an <laughs> award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to this lecture is the, part. the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your god, and... He swears there. And fuck so, off. And get the fuck out of here. I think that's what he said. Yep. It's already three hours long. Oh, yeah, oh the beautiful. faces in the audience. <laughs> Tom I mean, Hanks was so pissed. Did you see the look on his face right there? So, yeah, I'm glad we pointed all that stuff out today. I mean, I hope you guys liked the episode. I don't know how many people watched live, but we'll do a quick edit. We watched the whole time, which is really cool. We'll Thanks do a, for watching, guys. We'll do really, a quick really edit, it. and we'll put it out on the podcast. Usually when we edit, just to let you know, it's just getting rid of some of the stupid stuff like that uh, little bobble at the end of the video. But, um, yeah, great to have everyone here live. Um, great to be here with that great topic. I think we're going to have a lot more on that subject, honestly. But we wanted to wrap it up quick today. We 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 tortured you guys over the last couple of days, an hour <laughs> long, and then this ninety minutes, forty five minutes. minutes. So, minutes. So, I mean, so there's our record for lowest time. Um, thanks really again. appreciate you guys listening in. We're gonna keep this going, and please, please, for the love of God, say, keep talking, keep subscribe, sharing. share, Listen. get the word out there. Start your own podcast. Come on our podcast. We're gonna have some callers in. We got a lot of people out there. That's um, gonna be next. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have some some big Rhode Island names. I mean, That's they're it. not big names, but they're big Rhode Island names. Big Rhode Island. All names right, coming so stay in. Stay tuned. Thank you so much, you yeah, guys. Have a great night. See you later. In his pitch to the Chinese, in his bio, Jim Biden describes himself as an advisor, a current advisor to his brother. So was it clear to you from the beginning that what Jim Biden was bringing to this deal was his relationship with Joe Biden? Yeah, thousand percent. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Uh, after I met with Joe Biden the morning of May 3rd at the Milken conference and then was taken backstage um, after Joe had spoken, you know, we joked around for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I walked him out to his car. I think he was uh, I think they referenced he was off to see the lieutenant governor. This is Joe Biden. Joe Sorry. Biden. Yes. Yeah. And then after that, I went over to the Peninsula Hotel and I sat with Jim Biden for two hours where Jim Biden walked through his history um, and his own words stating all the work and effort he did to get Joe Biden elected. And now, what he's about to say is like bombshell. 
This is what this you is see really on big. the headlines. If you don't, if you don't remember anything from any of our podcasts, remember when this. you go to the polls next Tuesday, remember this right here. Here we go. Initially in Delaware, and then through the family history um, and the role that he had played in it. And um, in that meeting, um, remember, I'm the son of a naval officer. I'm a naval officer. Was a naval officer myself. And because I held a Q clearance, which is the equivalent of a top secret clearance, um, we're audited every year. So um, if you receive a gift, I think the the barrier was $25, anything larger than $25, we had to disclose it to the government because obviously anybody with the clearance, the government is watching closely that they're not influenced by the Russians, the Iranians, the Chinese and stuff like that. So as I was listening to Jim walk through this, um, I have a big heart. If you talk to anybody who knows me, they would... uh, they, they would weigh in on that. Um, I'm a kind person. And um, I'm thinking about the Biden family. Like, how are they doing this? I know Joe decided not to run in 2016, but what if he ran in the future? Aren't they taking political risk or headline risk? And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of he looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, yes, he said it directly to me, one-on-one in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel after about a, you know, hour and a half, two-hour meeting with me asking. Plausible deniability, what they're doing now, just saying it never happened. Reasonable doubt type of thing. Ah, you know, whatever. Uh, We're the Bidens. I don't even have any words for this right now. Laughing about it, laughing about it and saying plausible deniability. Yeah, because they don't think that... They, they think that they're so far above everybody that nobody can take them down. Yeah, people this powerful just don't care. They don't care about the American people. They can talk like they do all day, but they do not. Rob Walker is basically the Biden guy. He's like their crime guy. You know, he's like the guy pulling all the strings, the guy the behind patsy, the scene. The patsy. Yeah, so Rob Walker basically runs all the Biden's corrupt business dealings, and there's a quick snippet of a phone call between him and Rob Walker coming up. And it's just, it's very, very telling. Um, But basically, Rob's position was, if you go on record with all these facts, you'll bury all of us. If he doesn't come out on record, I am Uh, providing the facts. You're just going to just bury all of us, man. What was your response to that? You know, bury all of us, man. Um, I was focused on pushing these guys to do the right thing, to demonstrate an ounce of integrity in front of the American people. They all know the facts. I live the facts. And luckily for the American people, all the facts are extremely well documented. I'm irrelevant in this discussion. So I can write off, but the American people can read these texts, listen to the recording that you just played, read the legal documents that were executed in Delaware, and they can form their own conclusion. They don't need me to form the conclusion for them. And there you have it. This is proof, people. This is about as and concrete if you think as you'll that ever this get. This is the only deal. If you think that this is the only thing... No, no, no. If you listen to the full interview, they've got deals in Kazakhstan, Ukraine. Now, I want to be... Iraq. I want to bring something... got a big deal in Iraq. I want to bring something up to people here. Now, you got to remember, in the Obama-Biden administration, Russia took over Crimea and Ukraine. They took... And they did as nothing. If it was they like, sat there. As they if annexed it was like the, Crimea like nothing. As if it was like the 1400s. 100%, yeah. They went rolled in right and up. took rolled the right land up. back. Right. Took Just it back under right their administration. Now, do you think it was because... You know, they had something on Biden. It totally could have been. I mean, 
they were literally like giving them pillows and blankets. When Trump says that line, you were giving them pillows and blankets and I give them tank busters to Ukraine <laughs> yeah. to say like who was better dealing with Ukraine. Ukraine's love Trump because they were getting tank busters. Russia ain't coming any further into Ukraine while Trump's there. They want to. They right. want to take Ukraine back. They're going to happen. Yeah. So um, it's 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 wild. I mean, you got to look at that and say, why, did they, why were they able to just roll in? Like, we could have stopped them easily. Armored cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man must stand behind the men behind the wire. In the little streets of Belfast, in the dark of early morn, British soldiers came running, breaking little homes with scorn. Hear the sobs of crying children, dragging fathers from their bed. Watch the scene as helpless mothers, watch the blood fall from their heads. Armored cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man must stand behind the men behind the wire. Armored cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man must stand behind the men behind the wire. Not for them a judge or jury, or indeed a crime at all. Being Irish means they're guilty, so they're guilty one and all. Round the world the truth will echo, Cromwell's men are here again. England's name again is sullied in the eyes of honest men. Armored cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man must stand behind the men behind the wire. Armored cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man must stand behind the men behind the wire. Proudly march behind our banner, proudly march behind our men. We will have them free to help us build a nation once again. And the people stand together, proudly marching on your way. Never fear and never falter, till the boys come home to stay. Armored cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man must stand behind the men behind the wire. Armored cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man must stand behind the men behind the wire.